there, marketing friends. It's Misty, and I'm back with another episode of Marketing Sweats. This season, I've been talking to female leaders in typically male-dominated fields. I've been interested in their thoughts, not only on issues facing their industry, but things they've learned about leading as a woman amongst men. I've enjoyed all my guests so much, and we're close to wrapping up the season, but today I'm joined by the president and CEO of Farnsworth Group, Karen Jensen. Karen is a registered professional engineer, holds an MBA, and has more than 30 years of experience in consulting operations and business management. She's led the growth and expansion of Farnsworth Group into a nationwide full-service engineering architecture and survey firm, and is a passionate supporter of STEM curriculums and introducing young students to emerging careers in engineering, architecture, and sciences. I'm excited to meet Karen and hear about her experience in the industry, so let's get to it. So today I am joined by Karen Jensen. She is the president and CEO of Farnsworth Group and someone that I have followed for a very long time. Karen, thank you for joining me. I appreciate you being here. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. So I always start with your background, your story. Tell us a little bit about how you came up in the world. Sure, sure. Well, my father was in the military, so we traveled around quite a bit as I was growing up and my family uh, ended up settling in western Nebraska. And it was a natural progression then for me to uh, go to college and get my undergrad degree in civil engineering from the University of Nebraska. And after that, interviewed various places around the country and ended up uh, coming to a position here in central Illinois and have been here ever since. That's crazy. So what, what got you interested in engineering? You know, Misty, it wasn't so much engineering. It was more an aptitude, I guess, for math and science. And some high school counselors suggested I might try engineering. So when I went to school, I wasn't exactly sure what all that involved, but it did hold my interest and uh, knew that civil engineering of all the different types of engineering that was really had the interest for me. Awesome. Was there something specific about what your parents did or did you have brothers and sisters? Was there something that led you down that path in terms of your interest level or you just always had an aptitude for math? Just had an aptitude, I guess. That's awesome. Great. Okay, so you made your way here to Peoria. Tell me a little bit about your early career experiences. Um, what were some of the kinds of projects you worked on? You know, what did you really enjoy? Yeah, with, I started working at a uh, small consulting firm, so got to do a lot of, of different types of projects. My particular area of interest was in water and wastewater treatment. So some of the projects were putting in water lines, some upgrades at some of the local uh, wastewater treatment plants and variety of technical projects like that I really enjoyed. I was also working on my MBA at the time. I had taken a couple of business classes and really got interested in that. And so progressed through and got my master's in business administration and was able then to do some other projects on the business side for the, for the small business, helping put together some business plans, performers, that type of thing. That's great. So talk to me a little bit more about the technical side of your job when you first got started. So many of the women leaders that I've spoken to this season talk about falling in love with sort of being in the field and seeing their projects come to life. Did you have those kinds of experiences? And was that something that drew you in early on? I did. I did. I was really mesmerized by importance of what the calculations and what was on the drawings to seeing what was constructed in the field. I mean, if you have a large tanker digester, if you want to make it smaller or larger, you would back then they had mylar and ink, you would just change the size of the drawing. But when you go out to the field and you see that concrete being poured in 
takes on a, a real significant meaning. It's not just drawings. It's the importance of what's done there and how accurate that needs to be to be transformed and to also see what an impact the projects that we do in terms of infrastructure projects and the impact that they can make on communities and really the greater good. So it's that piece too. It's it's being helpful and contributing and making a difference with the the profession that we have. Yeah. Well, another thing I've heard from a lot of the female engineers we've hosted this season is just sort of the love of uh, solving problems, right? And so was that sort of hardwired in you? And is there an example or maybe two of, you know, some of your early or any project really throughout your career where you are just really proud of because you were able to solve sort of a challenge? I think there's so many of that. It's very gratifying because that is what we do. I mean, engineers, that's we're problem solvers. I can think of a lot of examples, not one specifically that, that stands out, but I do think that problem solving nature bleeds over into kind of the business side of things too, because we, we do welcome those opportunities and challenges and problems. Sometimes they can be very complex, and most of the times they are. I think the technical ones are because the exact same thing is not done every single time, even though it's a specific treatment plant or if it's a specific water tower that goes up or it's uh, building a new office building. They're all unique. It's not you know, a widget that's done time and time again. So there's always a particular human element as well, and each client is different too. Absolutely. You said you started at a consulting firm. What was your trajectory from there? Well, that consulting firm was called Randolph and Associates. It was a local consulting firm here, and they were acquired by, actually, it was the local utility company that was going to diversify into environmental issues. And we did a lot of environmental work at that time. And so they purchased majority ownership of Randolph and Associates. And I was invited to go down and to work with the Silcorp people as they acquired other companies. So they acquired eight other companies. We all came together and I had the opportunity to go and work for the CEO of that newly conglomerated company because I had the project management experience. They thought having somebody that had a little bit of credibility, having been in the trench would help bring these companies together and quickly then got more into the business side, bringing the companies together and their same benefits and accounting systems and project management systems and quality administrative systems. So I had some wonderful opportunities being able to work to pull all those together into a fully integrated company. That's amazing. So I imagine it was at that point in your career when you realized you were a little bit more willing to get away from your technical craft, go down the business line. And then I see here on my notes, you became the president and general manager of the Athena Corp. Can you talk about that a little bit? Mm -hmm. Yes. When I was with Randolph and Associates in this new company for several years, and uh, the utility company here in central Illinois sold the company. And so to a different power company, and they really didn't want the environmental company that we had built. So they sold that piece off. And I had the opportunity to go with the company that was sold. It was called Environmental Science and Engineering that I had spent 17 years there, chose to, I did that for a couple of years remotely and then chose to stay in central Illinois um, for all the reasons that we like it here. They had relocated the headquarters to Denver. And so I chose to stay here and then uh, went to Athena Corporation, which is a marketing customer contact company here. And so it really wasn't in the engineering side at all. It was a different industry, but so many of the same principles applied and enjoyed my time there. And then from there, came to 
Farnsworth Group. A lot of people had joined Farnsworth Group that they weren't really so much in Peoria, very big at that time. But a lot of people had that I had worked with before um, had made had gone there and had some connections. And that's amazing. So, what drew you back into the world of engineering, and sort of what? How did you get started back at Farnsworth Group and rise up through the ranks? Well, I really enjoy the people, the engineering profession, and the people are just really great to work with. And it was something that I felt that I had spent 17 years of my career kind of perfecting the craft and the engineering side of things. And there was an opportunity at Farnsworth Group to come and apply some of those business skills and to help bring that company along a little bit further. They had grown, you know, over time. And having been in a larger company, I was able to come in and share some of that background and knowledge and contribute to helping grow that company. So it's kind of going back to the roots. And again, the people, I think engineers are pretty straightforward and pretty low key. And it's just a nice environment. And we're accepting and appreciative of kind of that additional business perspective. Yeah. So you've been there, is this accurate, 21 years now? It is. It's hard to believe. That's awesome. That's so cool. So tell us a little bit about the company itself and what that trajectory has looked at, like from 21 years ago when you started to kind of what the organization looks like today. Wow. When I started many years ago, the company was, I'm not sure how many employees, probably less than a couple hundred employees, maybe 150 employees or so. And they were headquartered in central Illinois and had one uh, one office location or a couple small office locations here. And they had just acquired some companies in Colorado and down in St. Louis. And so that was kind of when I started and did really great quality work and have for over 100 years, there's some real deep roots to Farnsworth Group. So it's got a deep history of doing quality work. So a lot to continue to build on. To help integrate those companies, I was able to apply some of the things that I had learned previously. And since that time, the company has diversified in its services. We've got about 23 office locations. We've done some acquisitions. We've had a lot of organic growth. Really have been very successful in transitioning the organization. Our goal is to be an enduring organization, to be around for, you know, another hundred years. There's a lot of mergers, acquisitions in our industry, and we've had some folks and some companies join us, which has been great. But our plan is then to continue to grow and provide great opportunities for employees to take care of our clients and and continue on for some time. So I see here in my notes, you guys have over 500 professionals in multiple states. You rank 190 on engineering and news records, top 500 design firms list. So lots of really great accolades based on your business background. I love the word enduring. We use that a lot here at Samantle too. But I often believe that if you're not growing, you're kind of going backwards. So talk a little bit about, I'm sure you love the strategic planning process, right? So when you come in, how do you know which markets to go into? What are some of your biggest growth areas? And what are you doing on the people side to kind of work through them to help the organization get where you want to go? That's a great question. We're strategic, but we're also pretty opportunistic. We're open to new ideas, to new locations. The acquisitions that we have done, we've usually worked with the company before. They understand our culture, what we understand them, which, as you know, is so important to make sure that the cultural fit is right. And if that's the case and it's strategic, it's in a market area that can either help us geographically or 
can add to the company in terms of a technical expertise that we don't have or bolster our position in a current market with some clients, we will take advantage and, and have those folks join us. What we don't do so much is we know areas that we want to grow, but we don't say we'd like to have a 42-person firm in Seattle that does this. Go find us one. It's, again, uh, we're always growing and adding. And it's also interesting that when you make an announcement or you have an acquisition or a merger, then other people pick up on that and think, oh, I wonder if they might be interested in you know joining forces with us. And so That's it's uh, had some some situations come that way for us. The big PR side of it, right? Because it you get is. some press and more customers probably. That's awesome. On the people side, how they come together is so important. And a lot of times the company, if, if we're talking about a merger acquisition, they'll ask about how it was for some of these other acquisitions. And then they'll like to call and kind of get some background and perspective. And that's actually been very positive. So they know what our approach is and how we can work together to make the transitions great for both companies. Absolutely. I can tell you're passionate about that M&A space. Tell me a little bit more about your day-to-day. Is that primary your focus to stay focused on that growth trajectory or how do you spend your days? Oh my goodness. All over the place. Definitely try to be client focused and project focused. I mean, that's certainly the certainly the business that we're in and make sure that we're doing quality work for our clients in a timely manner that our employees were providing opportunities for them for growth opportunities. So uh, it's really about the business, about the clients, the projects and our people that are doing the work. That's so great. I love that. Talk a little bit about what it has been like to be a female in traditionally male-dominated fields. That's a, kind of our theme this season. I wonder from your early days in industry, if you found yourself being one of the only females in rooms of men or and how that's changed over time. Yes, that was certainly the case, especially early on. You know, Even in college, I think there were at the University of Nebraska in the civil engineering there were three females. So it was really a lot different than it, than it is now. You know, it's great to see that transition and that progress, an awareness that people can be what they want to be and do what they want to do. And, and some of those traditions from the past have changed. So I think that's good for all of us. What do you think you would attribute your unique success to as a female in these industries? Was there a certain skill you had? Was it a mentor that found you and helped you grow or... What would your team say about you? What makes you unique? Well, I certainly had some mentors, some people that gave me opportunities to grow. I don't know if it's unique to being female or not, but I think the opportunity to to listen intently and really be interested and get different perspectives. And it's more about pulling it all together and what we can achieve as opposed to me achieving some specific personal goal. Do you know that I would say to a person this season, all the female leaders I've talked to have pretty much answered that question the same way, that it was about listening and aggregating insights and connecting dots and building momentum. And I do think there's something interesting about being a woman that allows us to do that in unique ways. Would you, would you agree with that? I think so. Yeah. I I'd think like it comes think naturally. So. I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. so interesting that you're, get, you're hearing those themes. So there must be something to it, huh? There must be something there. I'm going to dig into it. Tell me a little bit about your leadership team and kind of what your team looks like and how you lead them forward. Sure. Well, we have a great leadership team and it's not just the leadership team, but I am 
really so proud of the people that we have at Farnsworth Group. We spend so much time hiring and making sure that we get the right people, you know, at all different levels and building on that, investing in training and not just bringing them on board, but training and being very proactive and mentoring down throughout the organization and providing those growth opportunities for people. So that's kind of an expectation of the leadership group that we're not just leading, but we're bringing the others along and providing. That's really the way you build a business is by building all of those to build a business and move it forward. So we've got great folks in the leadership team. Some people have hired in from the outside to bring a particular expertise. Others have been with Farnsworth Group for their whole career. And we also have diverse team in terms of not just gender, male, female, but diverse in terms of interests and abilities, aptitudes, technical backgrounds, with the idea that everybody brings great new ideas. And you also don't have to be, another thing I like about Farnsworth Group is you don't have to be, you know, at a certain age or have gray hair or, (laughs) you know, be at a certain position (laughs) to, to now I can be at this position if you are out of school and have a few years of experience and you're continuing to grow, there are so many opportunities. And so we've got uh, some folks that are pretty young in their career in pretty responsible positions. And I'm really, really pleased with that. Well, I'm glad you went there because that was one of my line of questioning for you. Um, It seems like you've been pretty active in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion in your organization, um, adopting a formal policy and being engaged in employee council. So is that sort of a passion area for you, especially being a female leader? It is, but something that's kind of unique when when it came about that we should have a policy and we should be more proactive in telling our story, we discovered that we are already doing a lot of things that's in our nature. So it wasn't like, oh, we need to go this way and do this, or we need to get a program to have females, or we need to do STEM camps, or we need to, we just needed to, we could always improve, certainly, but we needed to better articulate what we're already doing. Because, you know, I don't find it as unique that I'm a female leader in the organization. I don't think people think in those terms, or we have somebody that has a disability or skill set or we, that's great. We just appreciate that. So it wasn't as much of a, oh, we need to do this. It was, hey, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind we're of on the path okay. here. We need to ar- yeah. articulate this and to, to measure it if we need to and to that's get out great. there. And yeah, so I'm I had really proud of that. Good for you. I'm, and I had a similar experience at Samantha. Certainly we are, like you said, continuing to grow in that space, but just kind of looking at our culture, because I think it starts from the inside out and finding that we had already embraced a lot of those principles. So I resonate with that. One of the questions I had for you, so many of the industries that Symantle focuses on are very sort of legacy-based. You talked about the rich history of the company, um, but with that often comes just a lot of like relationship-based marketing, right? A lot of handshakes and organic development, but with the proliferation of more digital and automated technologies, people are having to do, and virtual, right, do business in different ways. So talk a little bit about what that's looked like at Farnsworth Group, even in the past few years. It's a very good question. Technology has definitely become an integral part in the digital space. It's really, for us, it's enabled some enhanced collaboration because you can put drawings up, the clients can look at that. So it's actually enhanced in some ways. It is different, but I do think relationships are still important in our business, whether it's maybe it's just reaching out in a different way. Maybe sometimes it's an email, but being respectful, I think, and professional, even in our communications with clients and others and, you know, use our videos, be personable, be respectful, 
so I think a lot of that relationship based is doing what you say you're going to do, delivering your product on time, doing quality work, letting people know that they can count on you, they can trust you to have their best interests in mind. So I think relationships in our consulting is is still really important, but maybe the delivery method is a little bit different. Absolutely. Curious, being a branding girl myself, how do you guys differentiate yourself? When somebody asks you, what makes you different than the next firm down the street? How do you answer that question? Well, we answer it in, with three words. It's our people. You've heard me talk a passion. They're very passionate about what they do. And we get the work done in a quality manner. So that might not sound all that unique, but Misty, I can't tell you how many times I've been to an open house or a groundbreaking and clients will come up and say, your folks are so good. They listen to what they say. They call me back with the, and it's like, wow, I didn't realize that just calling somebody back was it, but we get it done and try and be respectful and help them be successful because that's part of our mission statements, trying to make sure, you know, we can help their clients, our clients achieve their success. Absolutely. And we've worked a lot in the past couple of years on migrating from just traditional branding to more customer experience marketing, where every single one of those touch points matters and you want to exceed the customer's expectations. So have you guys been working on that at all, sort of mapping your customer journey and, and sort of implementing process and protocols to improve things? Yes, yes, we have. Not, I think that we've got more to do on that, but it is so important, all of those touch points. And I think it's even, we talk a lot about how every employee and, you know, is, is responsible for the team, whether it's somebody coming in the front desk, whether it's how you interact with a client. I mean, it can, it, those touch points are so important and, you know, your reputation is all behind that. So absolutely, we, we talk a lot about that. There's probably more mapping, more proactive ways that we could even enhance that more. Sure. I, get, I totally understand. It's an ever evolving process. You know, the industries are changing so much. And are there two or three issues that are impacting your industry that you particularly love to champion or be at the heart of conversations around beyond, you know, we've already talked about DEI, but anything else? Well, in our industry, there is a shortage of technical staff. Uh, People are just not going into the fields or if they are coming out of the fields with a technical degree, it's such a great base degree to do lots of different things if to be an attorney to be gone in medical school, whatever. So making sure that we're encouraging and driving, promoting younger students other than college, but promoting that along the way. So we do a lot of reach out for STEM, STEM camps, math counts, do a lot of talking. So continuing to develop those employees as they come on and develop that talent so that they stick in the industry and being flexible. So with families, you know, male, female, so that people can have a career and they don't have to be, you know, can have that flexibility and continue to grow and and don't drop out of the field because it's too hard or time consuming. I love that answer. I'm a part of an initiative growing here in the region just for talent attraction and talent development and retention, right? It just seems like an issue that's impacting every business leader, but especially in those technical fields. So that makes good sense that you're focused and passionate on that. Tell me a little bit too, just about you as a female leader. You know, one of the other themes that I've talked about this season with interviewees is 
you know, most people who've reached your level of success have sort of this inherent desire for achievement, right? Constant goal setting, maybe not so much looking in the rearview mirror and celebrating, but setting that next milestone. But then balancing that with just this inherent sort of fulfillment, right? Enoughness. Has that been something that you've wrestled with throughout your career of finding that balance between goal setting and then just, you know, at peace with what you have? Yes. Yes. You know, it's that constant, constant balance. And I think that there's a recognition that it has to be that some of that's just inherent in who you are. So it's, it's a little bit difficult to not be who you're at inside and to feel responsible and uh, that you want to achieve things and bring things for others and the gratification you get from seeing others' successes and thinking maybe that you had some small part of that. And then I think it's not so much for me the achievement, a specific goal, but it's probably more fulfillment and the journey to get to achieving those goals, which probably the fulfillment in doing that, how it's done and how you get there is a little bit more rewarding for me. Well, I love that answer because I do think it's sort of hardwired in so many of us and um, we got to appreciate our own value system in that way. But I like how you said getting gratification in other people's achievement. You know, I think back in my career and the points that probably I'm most inspired by are when you're actually helping someone with their life that has nothing to do with work, right? And I bet you've had lots of those mentoring moments. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. All right. So I'm going to pivot a little bit to you as a leader. Tell me a little bit about some of your core beliefs or philosophies. Are there sort of some core truths that you live by as you lead your organization? Mm -hmm. Definitely honesty, integrity, genuine trying to be genuine, a caring attitude. Always, we always take the high road. That's great. Yeah. Be honest and um, always do your best. I think that's a real driver is to, you know, always, always do your best. You know, if you always do your best, there's no fault in in that. (laughs) Absolutely. I love that. And honesty can be hard, right? You have to deliver some hard truths sometimes, but I think customers and clients come to appreciate that in working with a partner. I do. I really do. That's the way I think you develop that trust that's so important. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about some accomplishments. Are there any stories or projects that you're very, very proud of? Yes. I think it kind of goes back to the culture at Farnsworth Group. I'm really proud of the people that we have and how we interact. I'm sure we're not perfect, but I think we've got something pretty special. There's a lot of mutual respect. I talked about how we really focus on hiring. And so I think when you look and you see your other employees are pretty neat. It fosters that mutual respect. And then we've received our great places to work for, I think it's seven years in a row. That's so, amazing. you know, having a, a lot of teamwork and a lot of collaboration, not just among the local offices, but among all of our offices company-wide. So I think I'm pretty, um, pretty pleased. I certainly can't take credit for that. It's a lot of people doing that that make it happen. Talk a little bit about secrets to success. So is there any advice that you pass on to others, maybe even women when they're just starting their career? I know that when I have new employees start at Samantha, there's always two or three things I tell them as words of wisdom. What are yours? Oh, to be curious. Okay. It's one of mine. We really? have that in common. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ask a lot of questions, 100%. Yeah. There's so many interesting things and it helps you gain perspective and 
experience also to take advantage of any opportunities that are presented. It kind of goes with the curious, but uh, don't be hesitant to try things, probably learn something, gain some knowledge that will, will be valuable to you. To have a positive can-do attitude, I think that's very important because that's who you want to surround yourself with, you know, in a leadership position is people that look at those challenges as opportunities and and can get things done. So definitely be the half full and let's yes. fill it up even more instead <laughs> of the half empty. There's plenty of things that need to be improved and, and that are wrong. Absolutely. Yep. Keep adding value and you'll keep being invited back, right? Yeah, and that's very good. That's a much yeah. more succinct way to say it. I like that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Any failures you can think of? That's something that I struggle to answer because I am always thinking, you know, failure is inevitable. It's a way that we learn and grow. But can you think of times in your career where you kind of did a mess up and learned a lot from it? You know, a couple of times it, it has to do with hiring and bringing people on the team that you know, you just know in the back of your mind, you've been looking for a position, you've been looking for a position and and it's a key hire and you get to the point that, well, maybe it's me. I'm looking for, you know, this person retired and we're trying to fill a position and nah, I don't know, not quite right, not quite right. And then I thought, well, maybe it's me. Maybe I need to be a little bit more open-minded. Then you take the plunge and then it's never, it doesn't work out. Quite, it's yeah. not quite right. So I have <laughs> learned that and it's true. It's better to make sure it's right and then get it on board and don't make it a big announcement and everything. And then something doesn't turn out, but it needs to be the right fit for, for both parties, especially in a key position like that. So I guess I've learned to trust my instincts there. And, and really, even when you think you, you know, you shouldn't, you should listen to that and, and that right position will come along. And it makes the world a difference for the organization too, to get it right. Absolutely. You've talked about hiring a lot in this interview. I can tell you have a passion for people and pouring into your employees. Is And, you know, as much as you said, you focus on clients and projects and strategic planning. It sounds like that's like a legacy for you. Because in consulting business, that's, you know, that's what we have. And they're all unique and bring different skill sets and how we can let people play to their strengths and build a career and be successful. And that's awesome. Oh, together. I love that. Well, and I'm sure your leadership style translates well to others. You seem very inclusive and facilitative in your questioning. So I love that. We'll get back to the rest of the interview in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Symantle. I happen to know a thing or two about them because I'm one of the owners. Symantle is an industrial consumer marketing firm with an obsessive focus on customer experience. We not only execute killer marketing campaigns, but we help organizations align around goals, audiences, messages, channels, and tactics to create more than campaigns, but programs that align to business strategies. Symantle has 40 years experience crafting positive, engaging customer experiences at every point in the consumer journey. And if you like what you hear on this podcast, head to symantle.com slash blog for more content. You'll find articles, tips and tricks, do-it-yourself tools, webinars, and more to help you keep learning and growing right along with us. Tell me something as a leader that you're struggling with, maybe personally or professionally, that you would love help solving. It's always one of my last questions, a question for someone else that maybe we can pass on. Part of our mission statement, we talk about the challenges of a changing world. And these last three, four years have been the epitome of a changing world. Yes. And 
I think it's important and, and I've tried to keep in mind that everybody, you know, has been worried about their health. They've been worried about their families. They've been worried about different generations, their jobs. And it seems like there's just a, a, a lot going on uh, with people. And it seems like when people maybe need a little bit more patience, we've gotten a little bit more aggressive and we've gotten a little bit more less tolerant just when we need all of that. So I keep that in the back of my mind, but it is a struggle to know, you know, as you look to the future, as the world's changing so much, what does that mean for all of us? And I know nobody's got that crystal ball, but there's got to be some words of wisdom and comfort and confidence. And I think there is that it's going to be all right, we'll figure it out. But I think that's a great question if anybody has any Ugh, it's a any more insights on, yeah. on that. Uh, you know, how do, we, how do we change and adapt and take care of all of our employees and clients and with this change of the mix and what people have gone through and trying to look forward to the future? Yeah, we talk a lot about just this shift that people are prioritizing life over work, right? And work is certainly a part of life, but trying to bring all those things together, especially in the world of marketing where people want to work with people they like and companies they like. So I encourage you guys to keep having those conversations. We will definitely pass that question along and do some thinking on our own. Well, Karen, I've loved getting to know you and learning a little bit about your story. Is there anything that you would want to add or maybe offer that we didn't cover today? I don't believe so. Thank you so much for the opportunity and for your outreach in doing this, you know, with the other guests that you've had and, and uh, all the work that you've done over these seasons. It's very nice for the community. Well, thank you for being a powerful female leader. And I can't wait to share your episode. Really appreciate getting to know you. Thank you. All right. Talk soon. Bye. Okay, bye. Well, there you have it. I'm so proud to bring you episodes this season from the hardworking women in leadership and decision-making roles, getting it done at Heavy Industry Brands. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, you can check out more episodes of the podcast at our marketingsweats.com website or find us wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. That's a wrap for today. Keep up the good work, friends, and we'll chat again soon. 